0: Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the contact section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more of the show every week, if you love Tuesdays, and you want more of it on Thursdays, we release an extra show on the website for members only. So if you want to become a member, go to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and sign up to become a member today for exclusive access to all the bonus episodes. Now, we have a great show planned for you today, but before we get into that, I want to remind everybody that on May 2nd, 2020, me, my wife, my son, my brother, Jack, and my sister, Tanya, we're all going to be at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference in the vendors area, having a table, meeting people, selling some merchandise. So if you want to come out and meet me, meet the family, meet the team, all you got to do is show up. If you want to just hang out in the vendors area, meet all the different vendors, meet the speakers, things like that. But if you want to actually attend the conference, go to the ohiobigfootconference.org and purchase your tickets today. Now, I know we have a great big holiday coming up this week. Everybody loves Valentine's Day. I personally don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I don't care about it. You can pity my wife if you want, but I just don't do it. I don't care. It is what it is. I tell her I love her every day. What do I need an extra day for? But I know that there's a lot of people that do celebrate Valentine's Day. And for you guys, we're running a promotion between today and and Valentine's Day on February 14th. We're running a discount on the website. If you go to the store section on the website, everything in there except the beard oils are 10% off when you use the promo code LOVE, L-O-V-E, on checkout And you will get 10% off your order. And we got a lot of cool stuff in the store. And people tell me I should be promoting the store more and more. And I don't. So here it is. I'm promoting the store. I actually just put out an I Killed Bigfoot t-shirt just a few weeks ago. And people are like, why didn't you announce it on the show? And I'm like, I don't know. I just didn't. But here it is, I Kill Bigfoot t-shirt. We have a thought criminal t-shirt based off of the book 1984 by George Orwell. We actually have a t-shirt that says the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. We have a conspiracy theorist t-shirt. And of course, we got a lot of t-shirts with logos on it of my face. And we have hoodies, baby apparel, socks, all that cool stuff, stickers, mugs. So go ahead and check it out if you're interested on the confessionalspodcast.com. Hit the store page and it's all right there for you to view. So let's get to the show this week. We actually have a great guest coming on. We have Jeff and Jeff shares a lot of different experiences that he's had throughout his life. Hint, I would highly suggest that you listen to the full episode today. But Jeff comes on and shares a lot of his different experiences, including a time where he thinks that he was sexually assaulted by either an incubus or a succubus or a person that was killed in that house. We're not totally sure, but he describes that experience. And I'm telling you that now because some of you let your kids listen to this show. It's a family event, but today it's up to you. But I'm just saying, giving you a heads up, you may not want the little ones to listen to today's show. With that said, let's get to it. All right. Today, we have Jeff on the show. Jeff, how are you doing, sir? I'm really good, Tony. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So uh, you have a few experiences you'd like to share with us. And there is one that uh, that you've had that I think we'll, we'll probably have some good conversation about. Uh, but I wanted to start you off with your friend, Jeannie. Now, uh, there is something to do with a rose that uh, kind of appears and disappears, right? Yes. Yeah. So what happened with that?
1: I was 19 years old, this was in 1968, and I uh, went to a coffee house run by a church quite a lot, and there was a woman that worked there named Jeannie, who was my mother's age, but we became dear friends, and I got a call one evening from her niece that said that, uh, her niece said that Jeannie was blue, and they were going to go out for dessert, and I liked to come, and I said, yeah, I'd like that, so she said, good, we'll be there in a half hour. Well, I sat down to study while I waited. And as I was sitting there, I had an experience unlike anything I'd ever had. I felt like I was watching another consciousness uh, in my head almost, well, it did push me to the back of my head. And I was watching almost like I handed the controls of my body and my brain over to. Another entity. And it didn't feel uh, malevolent or dark. It just, it was an experience that was so unusual. And there was a knock on the door, and it was her niece. And uh, I answered the door, and I heard myself say, I'm sorry, I'm, I can't go. And she said, What do you mean you can't go? You said, You're going to go. She need be so disappointed. I said, No, can't go. And I closed the door, and I thought, "What the heck?" I sat back down, and I began to feel this great heaviness. And I lifted up my hand, took great effort to raise my hand, and I to walk was just like I was in concrete. I tried to speak, and my voice was like a forced throat, and I. Dragged myself into my bedroom and fell onto the bed and fell into a deep, deep sleep. Woke up in the morning fully dressed, got ready to go to school, went off to college, came back, cleaned up my place. And there in the living room on the one of the chairs was something I'd never seen before. It was uh, a red and green rose made out of ribbon. So the the rose. Head, the flower was ribbon folded back and forth and the green stem was wrapped around uh, Looked like maybe wire and there was a hat pin uh, pushed into the, the stem the thing was about a foot long well I, I thought I don't know where this came from but I'll bet Jeannie would like it so I put it in my backpack and I wanted to apologize to her for not going and I rode my bike over to her place And I walked in, and I again heard myself say, I think this is yours, or I believe this is yours. And I thought, I didn't mean to say that. And she took it, and she said, this is mine. And she got deadly serious. And she said, my husband died 10 years ago yesterday. And he gave me this when uh, we were first married. And throughout our marriage, it would disappear, and then when I really needed a boost, it would appear on my dressing table and I haven't seen this since he died. Where did you get it? I told her the story and about how my uh my body and and voice had felt the day before, and she said uh, he died of a progressive Central nervous system disease, and that's exactly how he moved and how he spoke when he died so that's that's the story and i my my guess is that
2: i was uh close to
1: his uh his beloved wife, and I had the consciousness that was open to his Connecting with me, and that somehow a portal was opened, and that that rose appeared, but that's the story
0: well, when you were saying about how like you heard yourself say something do you were you like having an out- of body experience or was it more like you were just you, it was like your body was like physically doing things that you weren't mentally preparing yourself to do
1: yeah yeah it was it was the second i I was definitely in my body in my in my head, but Watching uh, my body, like I said, as if I had turned the controls over to another being. Yeah, that's interesting. Very, very unusual.
0: I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely would say that's that's unusual. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I mean, and with the the with the rose and stuff. I mean, uh, you you mentioned about a portal uh and and that's sometimes I wonder like i guess I guess what you just said i mean is as good as anything as far as a portal goes i mean uh I've had this conversation with other people where you know do you think it's you know it it's in one location and then just physically disappears and then travels unvisibly to another location, and then reappears, or does it? Like if somebody were to be able to watch it, would it like just move on its own to another location? Uh, but I, I think a portal sounds like a a pretty good, you know, estimation as to what could be happening when things disappear and reappear.
1: Yes. I, and of course, I, I think all of us have had that experience you spoke about. Like you leave your keys someplace, you go back and look for them. They're just, they're, they're not there. And you look three times over and then they're there. So who, who knows? I, that, I think that's, who knows in, in that case, you know, it, it, it may be something as simple as a, or a simple, something like a poltergeist in, in your house, whereas this, I think there's something more to, more to it. Maybe it's the same phenomenon, but I never met her husband and, uh, she and I maintained our friendship until her death. But uh, that that was one of a kind, that one.
0: Yeah. So what happened with your daughter? I mean, your daughter was, what, four years old, and she had some things going on in her bedroom, right? Uh,
1: yes. I, I lived in a house at that point. I was uh, it was 1988, and I moved into this house in 83. It had belonged to... Uh, my mother's second husband, after my dad died, she remarried, and this fellow's wife had died in that house. And from what I had been told by his children, uh, she had a very unhappy life and a very difficult death. Well, my my daughter was four, and I would I would sleep on a dime. I'd be the the parent that would awake when uh, either of our children were fussing at all and i went into her room and she was tossing back and forth and saying leave me alone leave me alone and by that time i had, had a lot of experience with uh, disembodied entities with uh, uh, the souls of those who are uh, kind of hanging around the earth because of unable to let go and i i was familiar with the, the sensation of being in the presence of uh, like I said a disembodied entity kind of a tingling uh, uh, an energetic feeling that we uh, could feel that there was another presence and that was such in, in my daughter's room well uh, I would pray my, my first reaction was anger Uh, you know, just leave her alone, and I would, you know, just kind of battle. Well, then I thought, you know, probably the the greater good would be to uh, pray for their uh, release from whatever it was, and not be angry, but try to be compassionate. And I would pray and say the Lord's Prayer. And Well, it continued. This, This pattern continued, not nightly, but probably a few times a week we had a friend that was uh, staying with us and uh, he woke up and and went into her room with me and uh, he, he felt the energy and he got his Bible and uh, let it fall open and dropped his finger. And he said, this is a technique that he had uh, used. And it inevitably pointed at, some wisdom that, that uh, related to the situation. Well, where he pointed in the Bible was the 91st Psalm, and the the line was something like, and thou shalt protect us from pestilence by night, you know, from, from uh, negativity by night. So we left his Bible open in her room, but boy, this thing continued. One night, her covers were pulled Completely off the bed, onto the floor, at the foot of the bed, as if someone grabbed the top of the covers and just gave them a great pull, and they landed in a rectangle on the floor, not kicked off, but pulled off, and again, my my daughter kept saying, "Leave me alone." Well, I would do this this soul battle with whatever that energy was. And then it stopped. And it stopped just at the point that the woman who died, her daughter, uh, began to have seizures and uh, went into a coma and died in the hospital. And I think that what happened in that case was that she, the, the woman who had died was wanting to pull my daughter over, pull her over to the other side to have her die so she would be in the world of spirit with her. And when that didn't work, she found her own daughter and was successful in uh, pulling her over because it, whatever the phenomenon was, it stopped in my house. And uh and didn't recur again.
0: Does your daughter remember this? Vaguely. Yeah, she she
1: she said she doesn't remember much from her childhood. We we divorced when she was or separated when she was eight. And uh you know, that trauma perhaps blocked uh, some memories.
0: Yeah, I don't remember much from my childhood either, to be honest with you. Uh, and I had, I had a rough childhood, very rough childhood. And I do wonder sometimes if like my mind, you know, worked against itself and blocked stuff out just so that I wouldn't remember certain things. But,
1: uh, I, yeah, Tony, I think, I think you're right. I think we are selective in our memory and we can't, you know, we, we know we can't uh, handle a lot of negativity. So we we're selective.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, um, it's one of those things where we're, our mind, your mind is, you know, it's complex. And uh, I, I just know that when I look around and I hear other people talking about, you know, things that happened in their childhood and stuff, I'm like, how is, do all these people remember all this stuff that happened years ago? You know, because I, I remember certain things, highlights and things like that, but I don't remember half the stuff that, you know, like people say, when we were kids, we used to go do this. And like, I don't remember that kind of stuff. At all?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, my my memory is, I, I I swear I remember circumcision when I was like a few days old.
0: Yeah. Wait, you actually do remember that? Yeah. That's inc- That's incredible. That I think that's an anomaly. I don't think that's a norm. Like I. <laughs> that's crazy. You actually remember that? Wow. I,
1: I do. Yeah, I remember. Uh, oh, I remember. Many many experiences, and I, I. It's almost as if. Well, it is. I, I. At the time, I thought. This is important. I'm going to remember this. I, I sort of program myself to. Drop down
0: a memory marker. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's that's really fascinating. <laughs> well, why don't you talk to us about this uh, other experience you had? Now you're in a house and. I guess you were seeing like a, a decaying skull type of face, right?
1: Oh, boy. Yeah, that was... I had moved into a house that was
0: uh,
1: going on 100 years old. And a great old place. But the, the the problems there began almost as soon as I moved in. And I woke up
2: with the experience of uh,
1: as if I was being anally raped Uh, this energetic sensation terrible, horrible jumped out of bed screaming and it happened repeatedly and I had this I had the uh, intuition that there had been someone killed in that house that during, doing or during some kind of homosexual activity gone gone uh, awry, gone terribly wrong, and I uh, I was really pursuing it in meditation and prayer and talking to other people I knew that were it uh, had uh, psychic ability, and I had a dream. And in a dream, a statue, we know how dreams are, anything is possible. The statue said, you're looking for Ed demore Ed demore Well, I knew where the statue was. It was at the north gate of a very famous cemetery called Lakeview Cemetery where John D. Rockefeller and uh, President James Garfield were, are buried. So I called the cemetery, and now they had no Ed Damore there. Well, I called every cemetery I could think of that was north of the position in the dream, and then one of my friends said, "You know, sometimes in dreams, uh, north, south, up, down are reversed." And I thought, well, so maybe it was south. I called the cemetery, I didn't think there were any cemeteries south of there, and I said, by any chance, is there a cemetery, uh, no, actually north of your position? So the, 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 yes, forget what I said earlier about south. Uh, in, in In the dream, I thought it was facing south, but now I'm thinking, could it be north? And the, the cemetery director said, yes, there is a, a small cemetery called the East Cleveland Cemetery. We just have taken over and we've cleaned it up. There have been no burials there since the 50s. But yes, we have that cemetery under our control now. And I said, do you have the death records? "Yep." Yeah. And I said, could you look up? Is there an Ed Moore buried in that cemetery? And he said, Yes. <laughs> Yes, here he is. So I checked with uh, the Historical Society and found that he was a single man who was uh, buried in 1945, and uh, his only survivors were his parents. Doesn't mean that he was homosexual, of course, but it fits the profile of I mean, first of all, the, the, the precise name, and uh, I found where he was
2: buried. And uh,
1: so I, in that case, I, I think somehow Ed Moore wanted someone to recognize uh, his soul's plight. And in, it, when I did that, uh, the attack stopped. But the house continued to have these uh, very, very um, attacks by disembodied entities. I, I was estranged from my girlfriend. I was sleeping in my music studio on the third floor and I woke up with a full body attack. I had this like I, I talked about sensing a disembodied entity by kind of a tingling, uh, like a, like a like chills, almost like chills, but this is ex- something that's not in your body's uh, energetic experience. You're feeling it as an intrusion, and in this case, I could feel it head to toe, and there it was this. Entity was pressing into my body, wanting to take over my body in 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 totality. Much like Jeannie's husband had, with my permission, well, he was, there was nothing negative. I watched him move in temporarily. Uh, in this case, it was a, a, an entity forcing and wanting to take me over and i could see his face and it was this horrible decaying skull i just ghastly well i again i i pressed it out i prayed i always always with prayer always asking for uh divine help beseeching uh the divine for assistance and I Uh, whatever one's spiritual orientation is, I think we, if we can connect to that higher, uh, to God in whatever form we, we understand God. I'm, I'm Christian. So I would pray to Jesus and I would ask, I would pray the Lord's prayer and always what in these cases. So I'd fight it off. Well, I, I learned that there's a a phenomenon called a walk-on. And a walk-on is where someone's body is taken over by another entity, and their personality, their soul, is forced out. And this happens often when people uh, are are drinking or, I mean, are, are drunk. Or, or even uh, in the zone of shopping. I've heard that uh, souls that want to do this hang around malls and bars, places where people are not conscious of their consciousness. If that makes sense, they're not paying attention to uh, who they are. They're they're externally focused, or depress their own consciousness by uh, drinking or drugging. So um, this happened several times and I uh, eventually that that woman uh, uh, moved out and I fell in love uh, with my future wife and uh, she moved into the house with me. And she's clairvoyant, so she's able to see Disembodied entities. I only sense them. She sees them. Well, we we began to have. Uh, I, she'd wake up screaming. I'd feel this terrible energy, and I'd I'd go to uh, in the soul battle with it and uh, and force it away. And uh, she said that she was seeing. Uh, a man's form, ha- leaning over her arms outstretched, wearing old-fashioned prison stripes, and the face was a decaying skull, just like I had seen. The only time I had ever seen uh, any, any of these disembodied entities that I would be doing battle with. So... Uh, that happened repeatedly, and she also saw other uh, disembodied entities. She saw a skeleton and and, and benign uh, beings, like a prairie woman with her children. And uh, but this attack, these attacks continued, and no matter what we did, uh, we we couldn't uh, end it. So we. we decided we would uh, use a Native American technique called smudging and a uh, cedar and uh, sweet, sweet grass different uh grasses are wound into braids and then like a like a oh maybe a two inches across in a stick and you light them and the smoke goes up and you you take a a feather fan, and fan it in every corner of every room in your house, even your closets. And you can buy these even online. If you look for smudge, s m u d g e, smudging materials. And uh, so we were we smudged the house, and as she was uh, doing the smudging, I'm at this point totally blind, so I I, I couldn't see to help with that but uh, I, would, I would be praying, and I, I, in this case, I prayed. I said, Jesus, send your strong angels to gather up these souls. We're not angry with them. We just are, uh, we want them to be where they belong, uh, in the light, in the world of spirit, and uh, we want them to stop attacking us. So we, I I prayed that prayer. We went throughout the entire house, and a couple nights later, we woke up, and we have this, we have this signal that if she is seeing something, she'll tap me, or if I'm feeling something, I'll tap her. So our consciousness is joined in that moment, and we can use her clairvoyant ability to see what's going on, and uh, I can use my abilities to uh, battle uh, off whatever's negative. Well, she woke up and she was making a sound that was like, ah, ah, not fear, but awe. And it's, it's in the Bible, it's written that the angel of the Lord appeared unto them and, and they were sore afraid. And
2: This was that, not not fear, but
1: just awe of the, and the word awesome is so overused, but awe in the sense of uh, being in the presence of something that is so powerful that you are, uh, you realize you're with, with great humility how small you you are well she she was making that sound and i i was beginning to say the lord's prayer but i could barely get the words out it was the energy in the room was so powerful and what she saw were, were two figures this was an old house with nine and a half foot ceilings and these beings were as tall as the room, they were in shimmering uh, robes, androgynous, neither male nor female, and looking at us with she said with uh, great love
2: and compassion so
1: what happened i I asked for Jesus to send his strong angels to Take these souls back to where they belong, <laughs> and 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 these angels
2: appeared to us, and we were so uh, thunderstruck by the experience. It was so um,
1: um, humbling and awe-inspiring, and and so reverent, so great. I had I had an experience when I was a young man that uh, I, I used to if I was in the experience if you're experiencing a ghost I lived in a house where 3 o'clock in the morning on the dot I'd wake up to go to the bathroom and in the hallway I'd feel this entity and I was so excited and thought look at me, I can communicate with ghosts and I would open myself what do you want who are you and uh, another wise friend said don't do that you don't want to encourage ghosts they don't belong here they they're stuck and by encouraging them you're adding to their energy and prolonging their their time of uh being in the wrong place when we when we
2: die our energy, our our soul, uh, is
1: is given the opportunity to travel in up a tunnel of light into the world of spirit, and uh, if we choose not to, and that that is a choice one can make, we are on this plane. And my understanding is that we get a couple of opportunities, and then it, uh, and then we don't and then we're just stuck here. So uh, whenever any of these experiences happened where I knew I was in the presence of a disembodied entity, I would pray the Lord's prayer and ask for protection. Because I never, it didn't it occur to me that what I was experiencing could be a blessing, a good thing. Uh, because I was just programmed to ask for protection and uh, ask the energy to move along. So here are these angels. And I I was... Uh, unable to, if I had known that I was in the presence of angelic beings, I think I would have opened myself fully rather than praying. But uh, prayer is probably always a good thing. Anyway, that, that's that's how that ended. Although, a couple weeks later, and, uh, and Tony, I'm not I'm telling you the
2: truth, and I I, I
1: can't tell you why this hap- These things have happened, but I know they did happen. Um, but I, again, we awoke, and again, my wife was in in a state of
2: uh, awe. And Jesus appeared to us and
1: wasn't looking at us, but just in our direction. Again, uh, my wife, uh, Christy,
2: said that uh, his look was of
1: love, to, of course, greatest love and compassion. And not looking directly at us because we we couldn't have taken the wattage. It was as it was. It was so great uh, an energy that I, I I was trying to pray,
2: but the, the words were, were just.
1: Uh, my body, my energy was in this current that that. Uh, made speech impossible. So that ended any negativity in that house. It was a beautiful place to live after that. And uh, we moved from there. uh, I was taking care of my younger brother who had a a severe cognitive disability. Uh, I had gotten him out of a state institution and established a supported living home for him. And when he died, in two thousand fourteen we we moved high into the rockies where my uh my wife had always wanted to live and uh, do we do we have time for another story
0: yeah go ahead go ahead
1: uh this, <laughs> th- this is we we were in this uh a frame and uh my wife saw this guy walked through our bedroom wearing dirty long johns. And he, he kept appearing. And then he, he was bending over her with a cloth uh, toward her face and, and she woke up screaming, thinking he was trying to suffocate her. Well, after a while, we, we decided we needed some help with this. So we have a, a friend who's a very powerful medium and uh, we went to her and she, the way she works is you send her three questions and she prays and meditates and gets her spirit guides involved. And uh, then you call her and she engages with uh, the, the spirit world and tells you what's going on. And we've had, uh, we've talked to my brother after his death, very powerful. If you if you come upon a medium that that really knows their stuff, it can be very comforting. Well, he said that we were uh, interacting with a guy named Clem who had been a a gold miner uh, on that land, and he was killed for his mule and his cook stove. And he had been jilted in love. And because of that, when it came time, when he died, he was murdered. He didn't leave because he was uh, his emotions were so tied to uh, this this plane of existence. So uh, numerous opportunities came. He didn't leave. He didn't leave, and finally, he was stuck here. So uh, she sent her her spirit guides got involved. And lo and behold, his mother was still on the other side, and had not reincarnated. And his mother came; he re- had a reunion with her, and off they went into the world of spirit. And that that ended that. And we then found that there was a a mine on our land. That the, in the. 1870s. The individual miners would dig what they call glory holes, ten feet across, and they go ten feet down. And this mine had gone three feet down, and then a side shaft was beginning to be dug, where probably he had discovered uh, some gold, or the people who killed him had, but uh, and then abandoned. But uh, so that's that's a story <laughs> of of Clem. The other thing that happened in that house was we uh, we were given a grandfather clock. We we saw this ad, three grandfather clock. I'd always wanted one. So we picked this thing up, and boy, the guy couldn't wait to get rid of it. And it, what we had had it about 24 hours, and I'm just going to sleep. And I get the sensation of getting punched in the face. I'm uh, you know, startled awake. What was that? What's going on? Well, this happened repeatedly, and my wife could see this about a three foot tall being that was like a cloaked being. She couldn't see his face, like wearing a a hooded cloak. And and then in my music studio, things would fly off the shelves: a box of harmonicas, a drum fell over of its own accord so we again contacted our friend and she said that now this this gets into some wild stuff as if everything else hasn't been wild but she said that i i saw that there was a a being uh, a monk who was uh this little guy in the cloak uh, had kind of uh captured and i grabbed the little parasite and the the other soul was able to escape and uh, be taken uh into heaven uh by other by angelic beings and uh she she described this guy just the way my wife had seen him and uh it. and uh, she said that it was a parasitic being that didn't belong on this plane that had captured attached itself to this monk who for some reason was attached to the grandfather clock the, the monk had been attached to a, a being, another person rather and when the person died the grandfather clock was there and because it had belonged to the person, the monk stayed connected to the grandfather clock, and this, with this parasitic being, uh, not allowing it to to move on. So by my grabbing the parasitic being in uh, in my astral body, I allowed this monk to uh, to move on. And twice during this episode, I woke up thinking I'm at the bathroom door. Why am I at the bathroom door? And my wife woke up and saw me in bed, and my saw my astral body at the bathroom door. Those things happened a couple times.
2: So uh,
1: the our 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 friend said that the uh that little being that didn't belong here her her spirit guides were able to grab and send it back to the plane of existence where it belonged so i'll tell you tony i i don't know why i've had all these experiences i i don't i don't I think I'm anything special. I'm not. I'm just a a guy. But a, I've had a a spiritual life. I've always had a connection to uh, to God, uh, prayer, meditation, and I think maybe that has given me uh, op- opened me in a way that
2: has allowed all these experiences to happen to
1: me but i i can't do anything at will i mean all i all i do is try to
2: uh, keep clear and and keep
1: a negativity out of my heart forgiveness is i I think the hardest spiritual work to not hold grudges or negativity
0: you certainly had a life of you know, experiences on the spiritual level, whether you want to say it's paranormal, spiritual, uh, supernatural, has this, you know, process that you went through your entire life, I'm assuming, you know, it's developed you spiritually on a certain, to a certain point, at least. Uh, Do you feel like going through some of these experiences that you've had, uh, do you think all these experiences have a positive outlook you know, at the end of the day, because you gained something from it, or were some of this stuff you, you still don't really understand why you went through it like like you said about the one entity that it seemed like they, they were you know trying to to rape you uh, you know that that sounds like an incubus to me, you know and so um what
1: what, what is that what's an incubus?
0: Well, there's incubus and succubus, and they're both entities uh, that demonic entities that try to um, have sex with people. Uh, while they sleep. And the succubus, oh, the succubus, really? yeah, succubus tend to go after men and incubus tend to go after women. Uh, and I've just, I don't know, I don't know what you had. I mean, because it was trying to penetrate you. So was it an incubus or was it a succubus? I don't know. Or maybe it was this uh, Ed Demore that was just trying to get a point across to you. You know what I mean? Uh,
1: you know, I've heard those words, incubus and succubus. I didn't. I've never heard their, them defined. You have so much knowledge from your interviews and your study. That's very, that's very helpful. Very interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, if you get a chance to look into it and stuff, I mean, it, maybe, uh, you know, some of the information you gain would, uh, help you maybe understand your experiences a little bit more than you already do.
1: You know, I, absolutely. I, uh, The word demonic is, uh, I don't, the way I look at at these experiences is uh, I've I've dealt with entities that uh, were stuck on this plane and wanted to get, uh, their, their interests were, now in the case of Clem in the gold mine, he he was a good guy, just oh, and he did <laughs> he did say that through this medium that he wasn't trying to suffocate my wife. He was just wanting to show her that in case of fire, put a wet cloth over your
0: face to breathe. So it was more uh looking out for than than trying
1: yeah, to Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh And he, you know, that was, his energy was, was good. In the other, in the case of that anal rape,
2: uh, I, I,
1: I, I of course, tied it to Ed Demore because I was told you're looking for Ed Demore, And once I tracked down Ed and his story, as much as I could learn of it, uh, it stopped. So my, my assumption was it was,
0: yeah, that's a good assumption. I mean, yeah, that that's yeah. that's a, a yeah. fun assumption. Uh it's just it's interesting stuff man. Now, uh before we get out of here, I wanted to bring up something that you had said uh in the emails that you do have a memoir, right? Yes. Now, you self-published yeah, that?
1: I did. Yeah, I I've, I've had a a publishing company, a book publishing and a CD and music publishing company with two different uh licenses since the 80s. I'm a songwriter and I developed materials for schools on anti-bullying and acceptance of kids with disabilities and, and anyone who's devalued. But, uh, so I, I self-published it. It's called Grit, a family memoir on adversity and triumph. And uh, it it's on Amazon, uh, if you look at, for Jeff Moyer, J-E-F-F-M-O-Y-E-R, uh, Grit is the title, but it's also on my website. And like any self-published author, you make more money if people buy it through you rather than through Amazon. But, uh, yeah, thanks for, for mentioning that.
0: Sure. Uh, what's your website called?
1: JeffMoyer.com
0: Wow. You're lucky you got JeffMoyer.com. That's such a, you know, Moyer's a big popular last name and Jeff's a popular first name. I'm surprised that nobody else had JeffMoyer.com already taken.
1: Well, I, I, uh, Got that uh, twenty three years ago.
0: Oh, okay. So you're just the first to, person. That, <laughs> you're the first person on the internet back then, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there there are a lot of other Jeff Moyers, and I and I do. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I have that. But I I would also say that I have music that is free. Uh, that is, if you just uh, go to YouTube for, and look at Jeff Moyer, and there's a For anyone that's grieving or uh, who's facing uh, death, uh, I have an album called Peace, Sweet Peace that I developed for hospice. And that's available free of charge. You can just download it uh, by asking for it. Jeff Moyer, Peace, Sweet Peace. And then I have an award-winning children's album called Maxwell, The Dancing Dog. And uh, my documentary on state institutions like The Prison Where My Brother was, Lest We Forget, and uh another album that's for families called We're People First. So uh oh and love songs, don't forget love songs for any of you lovers out there. So I I've you know it's so hard to make a living as a musician or an author that I decided uh, my intention was to give, get this music into the world, especially the music for hospice and people who are grieving. So I, I've uh, gone the route of just uh, putting it up so people can access it for free.
0: Well, that's really cool, man. I, I I appreciate you uh, sharing that with the audience and letting them know where to find your stuff. And, uh, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your experiences, man. Uh, you've been through a lot of stuff in life, and uh, it's nice to hear people share those experiences.
1: Tony, you, you, uh, w- what you're doing is such a service to the world, and the way uh, your openness and uh, clarity and goodwill uh, just shines through, and uh, you're, you're, really, uh, you're really a champion. Thank you very much for what you do
0: absolutely it's my pleasure and uh thank you for coming on and being part of the show without people like you you know being open to sharing your stuff uh the show wouldn't exist so uh, (laughs) i appreciate it you're welcome tony thank you Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy please share the show with your friends. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, email. I don't care how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. And I just want to give a special shout out to all the people who are following us on Instagram. You guys have been really doing a great job sharing the show. I've been seeing it. And thank you very much for doing that. That's been amazing and awesome to see. So thank you very much. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care. And remember, the truth will set you free. But 1st it it'll piss you off. Bye. You just brought up that you you were abducted, and you didn't tell me that in the main interview. What's going on here? What what is this?
1: <laughs> well, when I when I was five years old, I was uh, I have a very clear memory of being abducted by four. I suppose they were little greys, and uh, they told me telepathically not to be afraid. They were going to teach me to fly, and we levitated i levitated down the stairs outside and uh we they levitated me down the neighborhood onto a little bluff then they said now we're going to fly up and uh i don't remember anything after that in that experience but i had other experiences uh with particularly screen memories that. When you're abducted, you're given a memory that of a often of a place that uh, is not in your experience. That is in the the uh, aliens' experience to block the memory of what happened to you. And uh, boy, I I mean, one was driving through the uh, a two lane truck road in Texas. In the middle of the night, all of a sudden I'm uh, going up a very steep road with highly banked sides. And it gets to the, it raises up and then the sides of the road level out. And I'm looking at a city like something from a thousand years from now, just the most staggeringly advanced and strange City and I with that in those years i I had low vision, but with binoculars, I could see normally, and I had binoculars and i I saw a flying saucer hanging about the city. I studied it. it it was purple with yellow lights around the edge. there was a, a space needle, not like the Seattle, but this thing was it would be three hundred stories tall with a huge platform. Un, I thought it's, it's impossible. That is so thin that the needle went up and the the platform was so vast. But I was recording all of this onto a little tape recorder and I got to the, we turned a corner in the city. It was kind of into the outskirts. Now I dropped the microphone and I fished it out of the, picked it up off the floor of the car. And looked out the window, and we were back on a two lane truck road. I mean, just like that, it disappeared. So, and the the final experience was I was teaching at, at Kent State the summer course for teachers on my materials. And I, I always stayed in the same little motel. And I woke up in the middle of the night. And, and Tony, I was terrified, I I couldn't move. I was under a bank of extremely harsh light lights, uh, like maybe 15 by 30 feet in panels in squares. And I had the sense that the, the lights themselves were evaluating me in some way. I like I said I couldn't move. I tried to scream. I could my voice didn't work, and uh, in the state of terror, and I again went unconscious and woke up hours, some hours later, back in the room,
2: and I, I've, you
1: know, you hear so many things about the different. uh aliens and their their intentions and the ones that dealt with me meant me no good although uh, you know they would not you never would in, it, put someone in a state of terror and uh i think that uh, there's a very good uh, website called uh, allies of humanity and that's uh a place where people can read about what's going on and uh, what, what's coming. And I, I think we're uh, we're heading into a time when um, we're really going to need to stand together as a human race and say, this is our planet, and you have no business being here, and we are united against you. Uh, so I, I recommend that. But uh, I I don't, I suspect that somehow the alien experience and my uh, ability to perceive disembodied entities, somehow they work together. I, I have no idea how. But uh,
0: yeah, that's been a part of my life too. So you, you do think, because I was going to ask you this. So you do think there is some kind of correlation between these abductions and the spiritual side of your life and what you've experienced?
1: Yes. Yeah, I when I was a, a kid, a, a young man, I was interested in uh, uh the tricks, telepathy, astral projection, uh telekinesis and I wanted to learn all of how to do all those things. I thought that was spirituality. And what I learned man, I I I wound up getting imprisoned by a woman that I, I think was she definitely was connected to the aliens. If she wasn't alien herself in part.
0: You were imprisoned by 30 that?
1: or Well, yeah, I was I was a I I went into her company and uh she eventually had me so terrified of her she claimed that she could well uh, she ordered the death of eisenhower edward dirksen got god later they died and other terrible things of that sort either she could see the future or she had some stark ability to connect it into causality. I I don't know. But when I left her after two and a half years of torture and uh, spiritual torture, uh, it was a still small voice within. It was my little tiny inner voice. That said, this is not right, and uh, you you must you must leave. And although I I suspected she might be able to kill me, I, I did believe she could kill me. I knew that that still small voice within my connection to God was more important, more powerful, and, and would protect me. So I, out of that experience, I learned that, boy, uh, the tricks are not important. What, what's important is spirituality. It's different than uh, paranormal abilities. But what's important is our connection to God, to right and wrong, to justice, uh, and our commitment to uh, living a life that's in accordance with those rules. That's all that's important. Know ye first, you the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm giving you an interview and a half, I apologize. No,
0: it's fine, it's fine. You should have led with this, man. <laughs> so, um, this lady that you worked for, uh, I, I'm, you worked like as an employment status with her, but... No. No, no,
1: I wasn't work. No, I... I, I was a... Uh, you know, I had a young man with a backpack and guitar. I'd gone to California in 1968, seeking uh, the, the paranormal. You know, seeking to be able to do telepathy and all that. And I'd been studying that, been studying how to open my mind and send thoughts and receive thoughts, and uh, so she was a. She said, "I'm a, I have a, you know, place where young people live, and it's right in the ocean in Southern California. Why don't you want to come and check it out?" So I did. I was at that point living in a commune in, in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and she was working for the owner of the commune.
0: It sounds like a cult. So
1: I, I, I'm sorry.
0: It sounds like a cult. Is that what it was?
1: Uh. I, I guess you could say it was a cult. She was, she had true paranormal power. I don't know how to explain it. She was also a criminal and a con artist and uh, a violent uh, person. She had, but she also could heal and had a great knowledge of uh, spiritual and religious practices. And so I was initially hooked in by her, what she knew, but, and I did work for her. I mean, we were oh, cutting firewood you know, to make a living, but, uh, and there were a few other people that came in and out. When I left her, there were a total of 11 people in the house. And, uh, so I, when I when I left, that uh, you know she had a lot of people that had bought into her her view of the, the world.
0: Jeff, the, what you're telling me, I swear, I I don't know if I talked to somebody on the show, if it's, if it's an interview that hasn't been aired yet, I don't I don't remember, but I've heard this story before. Like, I, wow, I I, 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 kid, I kid you not, I feel like I've talked to somebody who had a very similar experience to you, to yours. Almost. Wow. I I feel like, honestly, I feel like either I talked to somebody or heard it in an interview somewhere, a a very similar story. And it makes me feel like either I or somebody else talked to somebody that was involved in the same person as you. Cause you said there was a camp of people, right? Yes.
1: Not a great number, but there, there were, uh, there were probably a couple dozen people in the two and a half years, that I that had been there that I knew of before me, or during my time. That's incredible. You know, I, it, it could be. I, I think I might have talked about this when I was on Sasquatch Chronicles. Maybe you. Oh, okay. Interview.
0: I, I probably heard there. Then that's probably where I heard it.
1: But it uh, it it also <laughs> that experience also taught me never to doubt. When someone says something that I've not had that experience, uh, never to doubt it, because the world is—I saw things and experienced things that were so uh, un—not just unusual, but hard, hard to explain, hard, hard to wrap my head around. Just about the time I would think okay, I've got her nailed. She's a con, that's all. She Something would happen and she would look at me and say, now do you believe me? And I would, I would just be dumbstruck. But I was initially attracted by her healing ability and then I was controlled by my fear because she was so she could
0: be so terrible and was so violent. Whew. Do you remember what episode number that was on Sasquatch Chronicles? Uh,
1: 535,
0: maybe. Okay. Well, uh, I, I knew I heard you uh, heard that somewhere. And it, it actually answers another thing that I was thinking, because uh, when you were talking to me in the beginning of the interview, I was thinking to myself, his voice sounds so familiar. I feel like I've heard this guy's voice somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, and now it's all coming back to me because you're the blind musician that I, I was yeah that's right that's me, me and Wes were talking about you after he interviewed you, he called me and he was like, I just interviewed this guy and, uh, he was, you know, cause he, it's impressive. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, one, are you able to be a musician right now as a blind man or is that something that came later in life or were you blind most of your life?
1: I started to go blind when I was five, just at the time of the abduction. And I think that I think that I was blinded by that experience. I think it was like an experiment. But uh, my just that same summer, my brother was born, as I said, with a severe cognitive disability, and his his needs were so great, and the crisis in the family so profound that uh, my my little problem of going blind just kind of it was off at the side. And, uh, but I, a piano teacher was told, my parents were told I was pretending I couldn't see. So they told the piano teacher I was pretending I couldn't see. And, uh, when, uh, he discovered that I really couldn't see he refused to teach me any further, but that two intu- that somehow subliminally, taught me that I could if I could hear uh I could play if I could puzzle something out by ear so I've taught myself to play 20 instruments by ear and uh I've been a songwriter since I was uh, 16 and 21 albums and made my living as a musician for uh, 15 years or so
0: wow that's impressive man well I'll tell you what I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to add this as like, uh, probably, probably when I produce the show, what I'll probably wind up doing is, um, let's see here. I'll probably do the whole interview that we first did. And then I'll, cause sometimes I like adding extra bonus material. I'll probably add this on the very end of the show. Like after the, after <laughs> music, like, because, because, uh, I, I like, uh, giving extra stuff sometimes as a bonus content but i sometimes i make it like the song ends and then right away it kicks in and sometimes i let just dead air play for like a minute or two minutes and then all of a sudden this kicks in and it's for
1: that is so i'll tell you i i've heard you say you do that and i think well i don't i never just let it roll and listen in the air but that's yeah. I'm going to do it from now on man yeah it's
0: and it's not all the time I mean but it's just it's just like that little reward for people who let the whole episode to the very last second play Uh, you know every once in a while I put some extra stuff on the very end and uh, <laughs> I mean I honestly like I put out you know well over a hundred shows and i probably put it i probably did that on like five episodes uh but they're, they're scattered throughout they're like little little ghost episodes you know
1: <laughs> let me let me ask you this what what did west think
0: of me oh well i mean he doesn't call me about people he doesn't like let's put it that way
1: like like oh good it, like, oh good yeah
0: good. i mean we we um if he's impressed by somebody, that's that's when he he you know he calls to talk to me about it and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't remember what his comments were. I just remember him uh, telling me ab- about the upcoming show that he just you know recorded, and then I remember tuning in, uh, and he he kind of referenced it on a show I did a couple weeks ago. We did a censored show, and it was me, Wes, Dark Waters, and Timothy Renner, and he kind of referenced how he listens to my show, but I don't really listen to his show, and I do listen to his show. <laughs> But, uh, I don't listen to it, um, as fast as he would like me to listen to it. Uh, because I, I, half the time I already know it's on the show before it even airs, you know? (laughs) And so I guess I'm a bad friend like that, but, um, no, I remember when he told me about your, about the interview he had just done with you. Uh, I remember tuning in and listening to your story and I was fascinated by it. I was just listening to it while I was driving in my truck. And, uh, uh, that's where when you started talking about, it, I was like, I've heard this somewhere. Where did I hear this? Like, I, I was thinking maybe I heard either I talked to somebody or somebody else talked to somebody that you may have run into with the same lady. And then when you said Sasquatch Chronicles, it all came connected in my head. Is like that's where I know he, him from. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, well, Tony, I, I, uh, the the this exchange really means world to me because I, I thought after that interview that I had just. Gone too far, and that uh, I had introduced too many things that were so far out there that uh, it, Wes was kind of shaking his head. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that.